0: This is in ear insights, the Trust Insights podcast. Do you want to use AI in your marketing, but you're not sure where to start Take a class with Trust Insights and the Marketing AI Institute. The AI Academy offers more than 25 classes and certification courses to start you on your AI journey, including our Intelligent Attribution Modeling for Marketers certification. One membership gets you access to all 25 classes. Visit trustinsights.ai/aiacademy to learn more and enroll today. That's trustinsights.ai/aiacademy to enroll today. Are you struggling to reach the right audiences? Trust Insights offers sponsorships in our newsletters, podcasts, and media properties to help your brand be seen and heard by the right people. Our media properties reach almost 100,000 people every week, from the In Ear Insights podcast to the Almost Timely and In the Headlights newsletters. Reach out to us today at trustinsights.ai slash contact to learn more. Again, that's trustinsights.ai slash contact. In this week's In Ear Insights, friend of the show Oz Dusole asks: Is there such a thing as being too data-driven? And the example he gave uh, in, the, in a uh, comment he made on LinkedIn was: When you look at data, can it lead you down pathways that you might not want to go? One example, he said, uh, a female YouTuber is clear that videos do better when the thumbnail has this person in a bikini. Sometimes it's appropriate because it's a beach vlog. Other times, no. But the data says always wear a bikini. Uh, And there are a variety of other things. But in these examples, is there such a thing that where you can be so focused on trying to maximize the results that you end up doing things that might be not great? I feel like there's there's two branches we could go with this. I think we should talk about them both one is on testing, but the I think the bigger one comes down to values and ethics. So Katie, when you Listen to these different examples of you know people being uh, ready clickbait headlines or using uh, thumbnail images and stuff. Yes, the data says do more of this. What's your take?
1: My take is that you yes, you can be too data driven and it's you know as as you start to walk backwards, you know first and foremost, is your data? right? Is are you getting the right information? And so if you're so heavily focused on what the data is telling you to do, have you been focused enough on is the data set up correctly? Um, So I guess there's that part of it. So there's like the, um, the infrastructure and the data integrity piece of it, because, you know, false information, misinformation, all of those things include data in it. But that doesn't mean the data is correct. And so that, in and of itself is a fairly uh, large topic to tackle. But if you're talking about um, you know, like the ethics of it, I think that listening to the data is usually a good plan. However, what we know about you know, being data driven and artificial intelligence in general is that there is a, still a very large role for humans to play. You need that human judgment. And so, you know, we've talked on past episodes about how, you know, training data sets have been um, included incorrectly. And so it gives you the wrong information. The most One of the more famous uh, examples being the Amazon hiring only men, because that was what historically their training data set said. And you still need that human to say, you know what, that doesn't sound right. And so that's to me really sort of where we're back with, you know, can you be too data driven? Absolutely, because if you take the data at face value and just assume that it's correct, then you know, that's also problematic, you still need that gut instinct, or that just that, that doesn't seem right, or that doesn't align with, you know, what it is that we're trying to do.
0: Yeah, it's, to me, data driven is a tactic. And a lot of these questions are actually strategic ones in the sense that uh, imagine, like, you know, data driven literally is when you open up Google Maps, and you have it help you plot your, your destination. In this case, to me, it seems like the YouTuber example isn't thinking about the destination of where they want to go, right? So they're just having, you know, essentially the their GPS is just saying, "Go this way is faster, this way is faster, this way is faster," but there's no real destination, or it's a destination they didn't mean to go to. Like, do you want to be, you know, the bikini-clad YouTuber? Is that going to be your brand? Is that your strategy? If so, then yes, following the your, the current data you're on is the way to go. But if that's not where you want to go, then you're right, your data is actually misleading you um, in the same way that if you wanted to go to Boston, but you put, you know, Burlington, Vermont in your GPS, it doesn't matter how optimized the, the data is, you're still going to the wrong place. Um, and I feel like in this in these examples that we're talking about, it, it feels like the person or the, the in question has not built that strategy has not built a plan and has not set a goal. That's clear that would help them with that data.
1: You know, it's interesting, you say that data driven is a tactic. And I agree with you, I think that, you know, when you say that your mission or your values are to be data driven, well, yeah, you and everyone else, whether or not you realize that you are looking at data or listening to data or, you know, including data in your decisions, you are every single decision you're making throughout the day includes some data point, you know, and it's not always a numeric data point. You're not always saying, I'm going to look at a spreadsheet and make a decision. So, you know, I would argue that everyone and everything is already data driven. So saying it is redundant, and it's not, you know, a core value of your company. Like, you know, if you say, hey, I looked at our revenue numbers for last year, and I want more, great, you're data driven, you looked at the data, you're driving your decision based on the data. So I would argue. Using the term data driven is irrelevant in the conversation. Like, so it's just like take it out of there. Let's just say everyone's data driven. Everything is data driven. Everything is a data point. So just get it out of the conversation. So then, really, what we're coming down to is: Are you making the right decisions based on the information presented in front of you?
0: Are you saying data driven is the new
1: synergy? I hate you. Let's circle back on that later. Put a pin in it.
0: (laughs) All right. Um, Secondarily, uh, I think there's the optimization trap at play here, too. Mm -hmm. And this is something that a lot of folks who do A B testing should be aware of. And what it means is that if you are constantly optimizing, which, you know, we recommend you should always be optimizing and and trying to improve your results. uh, What can happen is that you end up optimizing for an ever smaller part of your audience. So if uh, you have two versions of a creative A and B and a wins by 60%. Great. Now you optimize for a and the next time you do a test, you have C and D um, and C wins by five, you know, 55%. Now you've, you've not taking 55% of your audience, you've essentially taken 55% of that 60% from a and so you keep getting almost pinned down into this, this niche of this is what the data says. But again, you've lost sight of the the goal, and you actually create an increasingly larger pool of people you've pissed off along the way. uh, Because you're like, Oh, yeah, you're even though you know, 40% was the loser in this, that's still 40% of your audience. So in these examples of you know, should you wear a bikini all the time, because it's, uh, it's, you know, what the data says, you're not introducing anything new into the testing, so that you can see, maybe this isn't the best thing, or maybe there's there's some additional context. So one of the things that in machine learning that is uh, really important for for coders to understand is, you need to do what's called perturbation testing, where you add in five or 10% net new things that we're not that you're know that are explicitly excluded from the optimized pool. So that you can test to see, hey, maybe this new thing we're trying on the side here actually performs better than the, you know, the eighty percent of the, the pre-optimized day that we started with. That way, you can constantly find out. Oh, there's a new thing here. Uh, real simple example: if you're on Amazon and you're shopping, and and you know this happens after a little while, you, you're shopping for I don't know, uh, new slippers, and suddenly your, you know, your whole feed of you might also enjoy becomes you know variations on slippers, right? But you'll notice as you do that. Um, Amazon will t- toss in like hey, a lawnmower, right? Uh, or uh, other things that are related to other interests you have, but they're they're testing to say, like, are you still on the slippers kick? Or have you changed your mind? Like now you, you're looking at books, or now you're looking at, you know, uh, various versions of hot sauce. That testing allows you to figure out, oh, this isn't just a one trick pony. Whereas it sounds like in a lot of these examples, there's not enough testing going on. And so these marketers are ending up as one trick ponies, uh, as opposed to constantly testing their audiences. And that to me also feels like not only a lack of strategy, but it also feels like a lack of awareness about how testing and optimization is supposed to work.
1: I think it's testing. And I think you're right. I think the other piece of it, um, because as you know, digital marketing, like you need all of the things to working together is, are you even getting your stuff to the right audience? And so, you know, I'm looking at these examples and it says, you know, a female YouTuber does better uh, when her thumbnail, when she has a bikini on. Well, I don't even know what the thing is that she does. She could just be, uh, you know, reaching people who like to see a woman in a bikini. And so it doesn't matter what it is that she does, she's already reaching the wrong audience. And so I think that there's a lot of, you know, audience analysis that also has to go in with it, you know. this person who asked the question, Oz, said that my most popular blog post was a tongue-in-cheek and deliberately used as clickbait. Well, I don't know what the thing was about, but obviously it attracted a lot of people who may not even care about the thing that he was trying to write about. And so testing uh, is a big part of it. So obviously don't just do one test, you continue to iterate your testing, Chris, as you're describing, but also you need to understand what is the audience that you're reaching. And so, you know, let's say... As a terrible example, every single one of our blog posts starts with a picture. No. Uh, No. Has a picture of one of our dogs. And so there are millions of people in the world who love pictures of dogs. And so every one of the mobile and desktop previews includes a picture of a dog. Therefore, people who like dogs start to click into our content and very quickly realize. This isn't the content for me, but it had a picture of a dog, so I was attracted to it. And you know, we can continue to test you know, my dog, your dog, John's dog, Ginny's, like all the different dogs that we have. It's still the wrong thing to be testing, and we're still attracting the wrong audience. We are attracting people who love dogs when we really want to be appealing to people who want help with their data or their Google Analytics or their marketing strategies. And so I think that there's, you know, another layer to this in terms of being too data driven, like, yeah, if we keep putting up dogs, the data is going to tell us that pictures of pictures of dogs are really popular. But that's the wrong thing to be putting up a picture of because then we are attracting the wrong audience.
0: And I think that would come out in the data if you were doing a better job with the data, if you had better attribution modeling and things, because you would find out you attract a lot of traffic, but none of it converts. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if you've optimized for eyeballs, then yes, dogs in bikinis and dogs in bikinis would be the thing to get eyeballs.
1: <laughs> can, we, can we just let the bikini thing go
0: <laughs> with cigars? Um,
1: just let it go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we would get no conversions from that because you would get yeah. there. And, you know, as in one of these examples, you get there like, oh, this is not at all what I came for. <clears throat> and so that's a failure of having the wrong goal. Right. Mm-hmm. If you are selling something like Oz is a, a Microsoft MVP He sells, you know, amazing Excel trainings. If you're putting up a, a piece of clickbait that gets an audience that doesn't care about Excel, then you're not going to convert, you know, if right. we put up a piece of content, we've had this discussion internally, like, should we be putting up as much content as we do about things like Instagram analytics, when we're not a social media agency, we can help you with your social media data. But we're not a social media agency, we're certainly not an ad agency. And um, mm-hmm. And are we getting those the, the conversions from the right people? So it, it, again, no surprise, it comes back to what's the goal that you're working for towards if you, the goal is eyeballs to sell ad inventory, great. But if the goal is to get people to buy something, a core product, and you're out of alignment with your core product, mm-hmm. it's not going to be great. But I suspect for a lot of these examples, that attribution analysis probably does not exist.
1: It doesn't. Um, I would say that it definitely doesn't. And we know from the work that we've done that there's not a great out of the box system that does the kind of attribution analysis, Chris, that you're talking about. So, you know, out of the box, Google Analytics does offer attribution analysis, but it has limitations to what it's able to do, and what it's able to uh, show you in terms of what's happening within your data. So it does a great job of first click and last-click click attribution. And depending on the type of company that you are, that might be fine. But if you are a company that has multiple channels and multiple efforts and social and email and organic and paid and you know this and that and other things, then there are definitely limitations to what you can find out from the out-of-the-box Google Analytics attribution modeling. Um, and so you're definitely at a disadvantage in terms of, finding out what it is that's working for you, and bringing your audience in. But if you're just looking for basic, like, does this page help people convert, then yes, you can find that out from Google Analytics. So, you know, in this example of, you know, I wrote a blog with, you know, clickbait, and it resulted in six years of comments. Well, I can probably make this strong assumption that it drove traffic, but nobody converted because of it, because it was clickbait, and you were luring people in to read the thing and they were like, hey, that's not what I wanted. And so those are easy ways to determine is the content that you're putting out there doing what you want it to do. So Chris, in your example, we could drive more traffic to our website by posting more about Instagram TV and other social metrics and people would convert, but then we would have to sit there and say, but we don't do social media. So you converted and we're so sorry, we can't help you.
0: Yep. I think when we look at how to look at this data, even a basic attribution model, you know, time decay, for example, would be good enough to know, Oh, this ain't working, right? You might not, you need the more sophisticated attribution modeling to understand the nuances of how different channels interplay. But if you're putting up stuff, it's just not converting. like, Oh, this, this flat out ain't working, you don't need a sophisticated model to know things just aren't working, it's, you do need a sophisticated model to understand how things work. But this is pretty clearly the case of a, I put up a picture of a dog in a hat, but I sell analytics. I, that's, that's not going to convert. Um, and so uh, again, unsurprisingly, we come back to, did you have a goal and a plan? And mm-hmm. if the data is telling you something that is opposite the goal, you have to decide is the goal the one that you still want to pursue. Mm-hmm. And if it isn't great, change it. And if it is, then, yeah, you have to ignore the data, you have to be able to say, Yeah, we're going to willfully ignore this data, even though it looks good. I have, <clears throat> there's a post I wrote in 20 2007, uh, the difference between two different types of decongestants, uh, pseudoephedrine and, and phenylephrine. And that is still one of the highest traffic blog posts I get on a on Uh, any given wintertime month because people still don't understand the difference. But I ignore it completely. I don't ever optimize it. I've never gone back and updated or refreshed anything because it's not something I want to be known for. It's there because I wrote it for fun. uh, But it's not relevant. And so I put no resources and effort towards it because that's not what I want my people to come to my my blog to find. Same is true for my pizza sauce recipe. It's good. (laughs) but It's not what I want to be known for. So to kind of circle back and wrap up on all this, if you don't have a goal and a plan, yes, your data can mislead you. It can take you in places you may or may not want to go, <clears throat> and um, you will always end up if you if you don't have a direction, you'll always end up, you know, sort of the lowest common denominator, whatever your audience is. You need that goal and that plan and strategy. Anything else we need to tie up on this, Katie?
1: You need the goal and the plan, and you need that human interaction with the data, the data standalone, doesn't make decisions, you know, your audience, you know, your company, you know, your goals, therefore, you need to have a heavy hand in, you know, determining what you're going to do with the data. So if you just like, hand someone a spreadsheet and say, do whatever the data says, that is the absolute wrong way to be data driven, data driven, really You know, the spirit of it, what it is meant to encompass for companies is that we use data in a smart way to make good decisions for our company. What that really implies is that we are collecting data the right way. We are looking at the data on a regular basis. And then we are making decisions based on what we inherently know about our audience and what they want, because the data can't always tell you all of that nuance. And so that I think, sort of, you know, you need the people, you need to collect it the right way you need to trust your gut and your instincts and you need to collect the data correctly
0: data driven means you do the driving the the map just helps you get there and if you don't know where you're going you will find out very quickly just how entertaining Google Maps can get you lost. <clears throat> if you have follow up questions about this or anything else, please hop on over to our free Slack group. Go to trustinsights.ai slash analytics for marketers. We can join over 1,400 marketers <clears throat> talking about all of the analytics issues of the day. And if you haven't subscribed to the show, wherever it is you're consuming right now, go to trustinsights.ai slash TI podcast, where you can subscribe to the show on the platform of your choice and never miss an episode. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Want help solving your company's data analytics and digital marketing problems? Visit trustinsights.ai today and let us know how we can help you.